Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy Tuesday, everybody. We've got an amazing, fantabulous show planned for you today. A new friend of the show is joining us here today. It is Morgan from Australia. If you don't know who Morgan from Australia is, then you need to check out the Lauer After Hours podcast with the link in the description to today's episode because Morgan from Australia is a... I'd say a, a D-list celebrity in the uh, random universe that is the Dan Lebitard show with Stu Gotts that basically is like a cult following of The Office for a few thousand of us. And I am a super fan. It's something I don't talk about very much on the show, but it is something that I'd like to visit with Morgan from Australia. And it's a cool interview. So I enjoyed it and I hope y'all enjoy it uh, with Morgan from Australia. But we've got some Bucks Nets talk to discuss first because my amazing song parodying the, the, the Milwaukee Bucks season is uh, going to be put on hold because the Milwaukee Bucks are falling apart, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't be a postseason without the Milwaukee Bucks falling apart. And boy, did I have so much confidence in this Milwaukee Bucks team. But something that does change, we don't have Giannis free agent talk. That would have been dominating this week had the Milwaukee Bucks kept losing to the Brooklyn Nets. Now down 2-0 with a 39-point smacking against the Brooklyn Nets. That is putting the Bucks down 2-0. And uh, really, the Bucks being down 0-2 at this point is close to a death sentence, but not being a death sentence. Because now you have to win 5 against Brooklyn. And to be honest... I don't think the Milwaukee Bucks, as presently constructed, can win five games against Brooklyn, even if you subtract James Harden from the lineup, which seems to have had little effect on the Brooklyn Nets offensively. They've put up ridiculous scoring outputs, both in game one and game two, dropping 125 on the Bucks tonight, or well, yesterday, but it's now tonight when you're tuning into this, or it was. it's tonight when I'm recording this, but yesterday for when you're listening to this. Um, And, of course, in Game 1, the Brooklyn Nets dropped a cool 115 on the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, we talked about Blake Griffin in the first game, and Blake Griffin came back down to earth. But you know who didn't come down to earth? Mike James. Shout out to good old Mike James and putting forth a huge effort for the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant going for 32 and 33 minutes and Kyrie Irving doing his thing, and the Brooklyn Nets looked amazing offensively, and I I talked about this after game one on Sunday. Like, the Brooklyn Nets are just so much fun to watch play basketball, and now for the Milwaukee Bucks, which is where I want to focus today's conversation, they now find themselves down 0-2, headed back to Milwaukee um, with not necessarily the blueprint on the line, because Giannis signed up for this. Giannis is going to stay for the long run, or at least for another year in Milwaukee. He's going to give them that sense of security going into next season. And the Milwaukee Bucks are Milwaukee Bucks are stuck. And I talked after game one about how the Milwaukee Bucks would kind of turn a corner a little bit in terms of their shooting woes. And to be honest, I think a lot of people thought the Milwaukee Bucks were going to be 
in this game, Vegas certainly was leaning Bucks. It was pretty close both ways, but Vegas was leaning towards the Bucks. And I looked at this and said, well, they shot 20% from the from three-point range in game one, which means at a certain point they would progress to the mean and start hitting shots. It doesn't guarantee that it would be in game two because we're talking about two-game sample sizes, which are ridiculously small. Even four-game sample sizes are ridiculously small, but over enough shots, they would move closer to that like 36, 37% average they'd been shooting all season. And it was just nothing for the Milwaukee Bucks. Just nothing going offensively for them in that game. They shot 44% from the field, but they got down 30 points. They were, I mean, it turned around towards the end, but they were down 30 points at halftime and they were shooting 36% from the field. From the three-point line, they finished 8-for-27, a 29% shooting clip from the three-point line, which is an improvement from the 17%. They ended at 20 with a bank Bryn Forbes 3, but I'll essentially say 17% three-point shooting in the first game. And the Milwaukee Bucks could not get to the free-throw line to save their lives in the entire game. Uh, and not a single player on the Milwaukee Bucks, not a single one, scored over 20 points in the game. They finished with 86 against one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. And it was genuinely shocking to watch. Not because, well, partly because I thought that they would progress to the mean and improve their shooting, but it was just nothing going on for them. It took Chris Middleton had no points in the first quarter. Giannis had four points in the first quarter. And he, for all of Giannis's successes, Giannis really struggled in the game against the Brooklyn Nets tonight. And well, one, he struggled guarding Kevin Durant. That's another part of it. But Giannis just from the field, eight of 15, which is about 50%, which is well below the, what we expect from Giannis or what we come to expect from Giannis, where he shoots pretty much 60% within the paint. And he didn't hit a three pointer in this game. Uh, Giannis, Giannis put up a bit of a stinker, but the biggest stinker is definitely Chris Middleton. Like Chris Middleton has been a stinker for most of the series. He turned it around towards the back end of the second half, but in the first six quarters of the series, Chris Middleton from the field was shooting 25% and had 21 points in six quarters as a volume shooter for the Milwaukee Bucks. And before the acquisition of Drew Holiday, who didn't have the greatest game either, but nobody on the Bucks had a great game. It was a byproduct of everyone missing shots. And just every time I'm like, it's going to fall. It's going to fall. And then I watch Brooklyn, and they shot 57% from the field in the third quarter when I turned the game off. They were shooting 57% from the field. And it's like every time... I mean, it feels like it, but I talk about this all the time. It's a paradox because... Brooklyn makes shots more than everyone else. It feels like every shot is going in, but it's like, here's Landry Shamet, three-pointer, bang. Joe Harris shoots a three. I expect it to go in. Even Blake Griffin, after what happened in game one, I'm like, oh, he's going to shoot it, and it's going to go in. And so every time it's like Kyrie Irving, go in. Mike James hit a three-pointer to put him up like 23 going to the half. Like Mike James hit a three-pointer, and I just start expecting it go in, go in, go in go in. And Brooklyn's offense, like I've said, is so much fun, but it's really jarring to see Milwaukee miss the amount of shots that they've had. And I'm not the person who's ready to tear everything down here because we talk about this with other teams is where drastic results lead to drastic consequences. The Boston Celtics, Morgan's Boston Celtics and Cam's Boston Celtics, of which you can check out the DSD podcast, episode two available now, uh, wherever it is you get podcasts. Check that out as well. Um, the Boston Celtics, dramatic results, dev or, sorry, devastating results led to devastating consequences. They moved on from Danny Ainge. Brad Stevens moved up to the front office and now they're looking for a new head coach and they'll probably shake up the roster after the fact. And so... I talked about going on back back in January and February when we first got the news of James Harden. We first started paying attention to what the standings were. I said either the Milwaukee Bucks or the Philadelphia 76ers are not going to make it out of the second round. And think about that with all the pressure riding on those franchises. This is now the fourth playoff run with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. 
fourth playoff run as a team. And last year was the a classic case of devastating results leads to devastating consequences. Fired the head coach. D- shook up the exterior of the roster. Hired Daryl Morey in the front office. So retooled their front office. Retooled their head. Re- fired their head coach. Hired Doc Rivers. Then they tinkered with the roster in terms of around the edges. They kept the core of the team together. Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, surrounded them with Danny Greens and Seth Curry's, and it paid ridiculously good dividends for the Philadelphia 76ers. Just a totally different team. And the Milwaukee Bucks moved most of their future draft picks to get Drew Holiday, a legitimate fringe all-star, compared to Eric Bledsoe, who just couldn't guard anyone and had a bum foot and pretty much has just forgotten how to shoot the basketball across two seasons. So they upgraded from Drew Holiday to Eric Bledsoe. They went out and got P.J. Tucker in the trade market. They threw all of their draft capital into how can we keep Giannis happy? And it's with him, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and what was supposed to be Bogdanovich, which as we're looking back now, Bogdanovich is the second best player on a Hawks team that's about to make a deep playoff run. Already is making a deep playoff run in hashtag Warriors South. He was supposed to be the fourth option for the Milwaukee Bucks before that fell through. So good move fell through. Milwaukee doesn't get Bogdan Bogdan Bogdanovich. No relation to Boyan. I just found out the other day. It devastated me that the Bogdanoviches aren't brothers. That was a devastating realization to, to come to. But what I was talking about in January and February is like either the Sixers or the Bucks are not going to make it out of the second round or the, the Brooklyn Nets won't make it out of the second round. I was assuming Brooklyn would get the number one seed, but if Brooklyn doesn't make it out of the second round, it's going to be just something, you know, these guys aged out. They weren't the players that they were supposed to be. Brooklyn put all their eggs in the basket and it didn't work out. But very clearly Brooklyn is good even without James Harden, which is pretty remarkable at this point. And I'm looking up now. And everything I was saying five months ago about, hey, Philadelphia or Milwaukee is going to have a devastating result. For those two franchises, anything but making at the bare minimum a conference finals run is a devastating result, given where those two franchises are right now. In year four of the Philadelphia experiment and year three of the Milwaukee experiment, now two years removed from being up 2-0 against the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. Giannis was the MVP of the league, number one seed. Malcolm Brogdon had just cooked the Toronto Raptors in game two, and he was on the set of Inside the NBA, and he talked about we are two games away, and Ernie Johnson said it on the broadcast. I'll never forget this because of just how important it is to the story of the Milwaukee Bucks. Ernie Johnson said, you guys are two games away from becoming the new kings of the East. And now we're two years removed from that. Two full years removed. The the anniversary of Kawhi Leonard advancing through that series by winning the last four games and guarding Giannis to having the best record in the regular season last year, being on pace to win 70 games last year had the pandemic not happened. And going to the bubble and losing to the Miami Heat and coming back with all of your draft capital, all of your eggs have been put in the basket. They don't have draft picks anymore. They've put all their eggs in the basket right now on this current iteration of the team. The, the last egg in the basket they can make is trading Chris Middleton or trading Drew Holiday. But Drew Holiday just got a $40 million extension. That contract's not going to be movable. They had to overpay Drew Holiday to keep him in Milwaukee because of what they gave up to get him. And so the next egg in the basket move, first of all, easiest move, if they don't advance, Budenholzer gone. Does it doesn't matter whether he changes his coaching style, Budenholzer has to go. He was he could have you could make the argument he should have been fired last year. If you have another second round exit this year, Budenholzer out of there. Just has to go. Period. Exclamation point. End of sentence. He's gone. Even if it's not his fault. But it's kind of his fault. But anyways, Budenholzer out of there. You shake that up on the on the 
coaching staff and you can make an argument for the front office. I, I don't think they'll shake up the front office. It's not dramatic enough of a flop to shake up the front office, but Milwaukee, he's then going to have to shake up the roster. And this is the thing uh, with DiVincenzo, with Bryn Forbes, Bobby Portis, who's been a cataclysmic disappointment in the playoffs. Pat Connaughton has been a cataclysmic disappointment in the playoffs for the Bucks. You look up at what Milwaukee has going right now. And it's bleak. Like those are the pieces you can move in your one final all-in move before you just point to Giannis and say, we got nothing left. The team is what it is. We're going to try and operate within the, the, the structure that we've now created, but we're paying Giannis $42 million. We're paying Chris Middleton $38 million. And we're about to start paying Drew Holiday $40 million. They are at the salary cap threshold with just their three-star players. So they ha- they're going to be operating in a no-cap space situation in which they don't really have methods other than minimum and short-term one-year contracts with mid-level exemptions to acquire players. They've put all their draft picks in the basket, and they're just going to have to point to Giannis and say, this is the team you got. And maybe Giannis has the loyalty of a Damian Lillard, but I look at that and say, that window is closing, closing, closing. And whether or not Giannis stays or leaves is besides the point, because the Milwaukee Bucks pretty soon will watch as other teams surpass them. Their team's going to remain exactly the same unless they can find someone who wants Chris Middleton in a superstar trade. But Chris Middleton's got $38 million on his contract, so it would have to be another superstar with a gigantic contract. And to be honest, I don't know how many players are truly better than Chris Middleton or are going to become available, like Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal might become available, but I don't think the Wizards really want Chris Middleton. It would have to facilitate a weird like three-team trade if the Wizards wanted to then move Chris Middleton, but that would require Bradley Beal aggressively wanting to play for the Milwaukee Bucks. And so I look at that Middleton contract, which I thought was a mistake back in the day, and you know Brogdon's been pretty good for Indiana. He only would have cost $20 million. Might have changed the math on Drew Holiday. And to be honest, they were going to pay that money to Bogdanovich. They were going to give Bogdanovich $18 million a year when in the sign-in trade, so they kind of bleeped up in not getting Malcolm Brogdon. And the Bucks have to look up now and, and say, where are we as a franchise? Win or lose this series. If they win the series, good on them. They'll make a nice deep playoff run. But even with that being said, it feels like that window is shrinking very, very quickly. And this is the problem that franchises face all the time, which is how do we maximize our winning window? The Bucks fell short in 2019. And they lost Malcolm Brogdon to free agency. They kept Chris Middleton and came back the next year and were even better because Giannis was even better in 2020 than he was in his MVP 2019. Giannis got better and it didn't matter because once they had the Giannis stopper in Bam Adebayo and Kawhi Leonard go out going to the West, so they might face Kawhi Leonard again at some point. But anyways, once you had the Giannis stopper in place, all of the math changed on the game and the Bucks went all in. They moved all their draft picks to get Drew Holiday. They've got one all in move left to mess with the roster other than just little tinkers here and there, like little Bryn Forbes's, little PJ Tucker's here and there. They've got one all in move left and it's trading either Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday to acquire another superstar, which again would require a superstar to want to play for the Milwaukee Bucks and play with Giannis. Otherwise, that window, they're now in year three of this current iteration, ready to win championships, shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. And no window lasts that long. Only the Golden State Warriors, who took advantage of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get a, a... an MVP on a max contract because the NBA salary cap inflated in the 2016 offseason. Even that team 
only had a five-year window. LeBron's Cleveland Cavaliers, four-year window. Houston Rockets, three-year window. If you count 2015 was kind of a nice run for them, 2015 debt kind of doesn't count, but we're talking 2017, 2018, 2019, and by 2020, it was over. They got bounced in five games by the Lakers. They traded Westbrook, traded Harden. It was over. They're at the bottom of the lottery. By year four, it was over. LeBron's Miami Heat, four years, it was over. And maybe LeBron could have came back for a fifth year and maybe they would have made the NBA Finals, but they were not good enough to win a championship because the Warriors got better. Because the San Antonio Spurs got better. Because the Oklahoma City Thunder were getting better. And we're seeing it right now. The Brooklyn Nets got better than the Milwaukee Bucks, who for the past two seasons were the number one seed in the East. Brooklyn got better. The 76ers got better in terms of regular season record. I do think head-to-head the Bucks match up better versus the Sixers. I think they're a better team than the Sixers. But at this point, it's pretty indisputable that Brooklyn looks like a better team than the Milwaukee Bucks. And Brooklyn's getting better. And the 76ers are going to have a deep playoff run behind them. And Warrior South is on the way if they can get a second superstar. Windows don't last forever. It's why it was so strange when Giannis decided to re-up. Because it meant Giannis was going to be playing with Chris Middleton and with Drew Holiday for a really long time. And that was going to be a problem for the Milwaukee Bucks because Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are getting older. <laughs> They're exiting their prime. Chris Middleton is now a $38 million second option who's, yes, only 29 years old, but also very expensive and preventing you from getting an Eric Bledsoe, preventing you from getting a Drew Holiday, because now you don't have draft picks either. And so those guys are going to start to age out of their primes. It's not like Chris Middleton was a superstar pre-Giannis. Like the complimentary piece for Chris Middleton is what helps make him a perennial all-star. And Drew Holiday, same kind of situation. Drew Holiday's compliment makes him look people look and say, hey, Drew Holiday, he should be an all-star. Well, that's because the Bucs had one of the best records in the NBA, and some of those teams get three all-stars, like the Utah Jazz did last year, or the Brooklyn Nets. And so the Bucks, I ask to the general audience, what do you do when your window is closing? Yes, Giannis is under contract, but I believe Giannis probably has a wink-wink, hint-hint agreement because he wouldn't give up that much power to the organization knowing that there's going to be a lot of first-round exits, a lot of second-round exits, no draft capital available, and no real means to acquire another superstar for the next three seasons when Chris Middleton's contract runs out. Drew Holiday's under contract for four more seasons. The window is very clearly closing for the Milwaukee Bucks, evidenced by the fact that they're now being surpassed by the Brooklyn Nets. And then they'll be surpassed by the 76ers. And they'll be surpassed by the Hawks. And they'll be surpassed by whoever else is coming up through the ranks or whatever superstar decides to join the Eastern Conference. Maybe Kawhi Beach happens. I don't know. Seems less likely now. But who knows? Could end up happening. And it's going to be a lot of first and second round exits in the near future where the Bucks are going to have to look at Giannis and say, yes, we fired our coach. Yes, we fired our GM. Yes, we traded everyone and every pick that we had. There's nothing left we can do except point to him like the Blazers point to Damian Lillard and say, here's a Robert Covington. We gave up two first round picks for him. Here's a Carmelo Anthony. They're just going to have to throw up their hands. There's no there's no more draft capital. There's no more cap space. $40 million Drew Holiday. $38 million to Chris Middleton. Giannis is about to get $42 million. That's $120 between the three players. What's the NBA salary cap going to be sitting at next year? Let me see. NBA salary 
cap 2021. Uh, 109, $109 million. They're already over the cap that way, but you can you can go over to re-sign players, so it's not exactly that. So $120 million to those three players. Windows close rather quickly in the NBA. Windows don't last longer than a half decade because the stars that we're talking about age out. Does Giannis stay around for the long haul? It's an interesting question. But now that they're down 2-0 to the Brooklyn Nets, they're going to have to maximize on this winning window as soon as possible if that winning window is even still open. Because I look around at the Brooklyn Nets right now and say, they've kind of surpassed you. And maybe they'll progress to the mean coming up, but starting to lose faith. Only because even if they progress to the mean, and even if they start shooting at 60% again, or they have a game where they shoot 40% from the three-point line instead of 27% and 17% like they did in game one. Even if they do that, the Brooklyn Nets are still really freaking good. And as much as we hype up Giannis, as much as we hype up Chris Middleton, as much as I hype up the Milwaukee Bucks and say that Giannis is the best player in the NBA, Kevin Durant's not that far behind. It's so negligible that it almost writes off Giannis. And Giannis is going to have to do that for four out of five games. Not liking the odds. So maximize your window while it's open, Milwaukee. Uh, I don't even know if it's open anymore or if it's very clearly closing. But you're going to have to make one last all-in move this offseason to try and support Giannis, and I don't even think it's possible because who the hell is going to want Chris Middleton's contract at this stage of the game as like the significant trade trade chip to make such a move happen? Good luck to Milwaukee. I want to believe in you. And it would be an amazing comeback, just like what Kawhi did to y'all in 2019. But I'm starting to lose hope on this magical Bucks run. And I'm starting to feel sad because this best player in the NBA, this unicorn who's going to define the young generation in Giannis Antetokounmpo, two-time MVP. He's the face of the next generation of the NBA, or at least the generation that's coming into their own right now as the old people age out of the game and the young people start to step in like Giannis and Anthony Davis. Well, Anthony Davis got bounced in the first round, but won a championship last year. And Jokic and Joel Embiid and Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell. I mentioned Jokic, Jokic in there. As those guys enter their prime, Giannis is the spearhead. He is the LeBron for that generation. And... I'm so sad that he's going to stay in Milwaukee and get these first and second round exits year after year after year, unless he's got a wink, wink, hint, hint agreement to make things ugly in Milwaukee and that the Bucks will trade him at the behest of him in the organization. Loyalty doesn't pay. And uh, I hope the Milwaukee Bucks can turn this one around. Not for, you know, the entertainment value. I think Brooklyn's ridiculously entertaining or because I like Kevin Durant and like Giannis and like all these guys. I just want it for the sake of great basketball and great storylines and wanting this kid Giannis to be special and establish the new generation, the generation that's going to define me because I'm going to hitch my wagon to Giannis and ride that train into the sunset. It's not going to look as good when his team's getting bounced in the second round by the Brooklyn Nets for the next two seasons. And then they've got nothing left but old-ass Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday making $40 million a year as one of the worst contracts in the NBA. Not that Drew Holiday is bad. Drew Holiday is just not worth $40 million and being the fifth or sixth highest paid player in the NBA. Makes me sad, but I want to believe. I want to believe in the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's talk to Morgan from Australia. Morgan from Australia. Um, nice yeah, to meet I think I've just taken on Morgan from Australia. That's my full name from now on. Um, Pretty much. So, yeah. And people who don't know Morgan from Australia is a, like myself, this is something I don't share as much with our podcast, a Levitard super fan and also international correspondent or foreign correspondent for the Lauer After Hours podcast, which you can check out on Blue Wire Pods now. Is that where you guys are? 
Uh, yeah, we signed uh, with Blue Eye a couple of months ago, which is um, insane. I don't know if they've ever heard our podcast. Maybe they made a mistake. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> we can be found there now. Yeah, that's uh, that's a cool thing. And it's basically their podcast is a show about a show. And yeah. that is just fantastic because yeah. I appreciate all of the jokes that go into it. Yeah, it's a podcast about a podcast. And the initial podcast is about sports, but it's not about sports. Yes. And that's kind of why we're here. It's about sports, but it's not quite about sports. Hmm, kind of. Kind of. So, yes, we are both Levitard super fans. So if we make some weird jokes that you guys don't understand, I'm sorry about that throughout the yeah. show. If you, you don't get the show, but that's okay. Yeah, it's okay if you don't get the show. You know what? We can, we can hit the, the gong and play Poppy yeah. sound real yeah. quick <laughs> for you. The people that are fans of the show, they don't mind at all if you don't get the show. It's not a touchy subject. No, not at all. So <laughs> how much of the how much of Freedom Week did you end up watching on Friday and Saturday? Because I saw you going through the chat because I was the person <laughs> keeping track of the famous people that stopped through. I uh, made it through 24 hours of it. You did? I did. I, I worked for two hours of it. And so I had AirPods in and listening there. Um, well, I, no, I worked outside of my house for two hours. Um, but otherwise, I didn't miss a second. Um, and cause I was keeping track to see who fell asleep there. And every time, <laughs> every time Jessica said she hadn't slept, I yelled in the chat. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, I missed the, I missed the late night thing. Cause I went to bed around, around when Method Man was there. So I got yeah. the first like 13 hours and then came back with Mike Sure, I was really sad. I missed John Amici, but, uh -huh. um, I, did, did they end up, like, acknowledging it in the chat at some point? Because I imagine by the time it got to, like, 4 a.m., they start, like, they, they all of a sudden it's, like, Whittingham and Smetana, and all of a sudden they're just like, all right, let's see who's still left here. Um, So they, like, they ignored us completely. I think Billy came into the chat at one stage and said a couple of things. Um, and then like, there was also the moment it? where Habistro mentioned Kate Faken, which was the only all of a sudden that moment the oh. chat just came alive. And then so like, I, um, I got really uncomfortable because I think I said it at first and then I felt bad. And I was like asking people, like, was I the first person to say that? I hope I wasn't. Please don't say it with me. <laughs> but I haven't oh, no. I, when they when, when they uploaded it, I was like, I don't know if the comments will be there. I hope I'm not the first person to have said Kate Faken. Yeah, so we have the archives we can go back to find. Now they're pretty much gone, but that, maybe it'll come back at some point. It, it but... is coming back. Ant's working on it. Um, so if it comes back with comments, um, I might skip that one. <laughs> or at the very least, I might go back and see if we can uh, if we can confirm that it actually happened. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just not tell Kate Fagan. <laughs> so that yeah that was a fun thing so i yeah i made it that far and so you missed cinephobe you missed cinephobe and then um that was odd but it was interesting um to watch the decline of amin and zach throughout the day and then <laughs> then watch them rise like heroes um and really come into their own after they'd recorded their their part of the show um, they didn't sleep. I mean, Zach at all. They were great. Yeah, that um, was cool. Going 29 hours without sleep. His, yeah. uh, they had to do, they did radio during the Clippers and Mavericks game too, while <laughs> everything was going on there. So it made life infinitely more interesting. I sent Zach a DM at one stage and told him that he's, the way that he came back from the dead, um, was very impressive. And I asked him, like, why haven't you gone to sleep? He said he didn't have anywhere to go, so he was just going to stay there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I missed that. I did I did actually. So before the video went away, I did end up actually seeing the David Sampson part of um, Cinephile with mm -hmm. Adnan. So I did get that. But I, I so I missed that. I missed John Amici. You missed uh, Craig Cody? Yep, I did miss the Greg Cody hour. I, to be honest, I was probably going to skip that anyways. Sorry to Greg Cody, but even on the even on the redo, I might end up skipping that hour. Oh, uh, I, I, as much as if you read the chat at that time, I was not loving it because I was like, these people are frauds. Um, he spoke to a, <laughs> he spoke to a doctor and a psychic. Um, I but, heard the psychic was funny. They started cracking jokes uh, about the psychic it was, after. It was funny. 
Because yeah, because she said that he was hardworking. I'm like, she's a terrible psychic. <laughs> like, like, as soon as she said that, everyone was like, nope, that's not it. <laughs> um, but a little inside baseball. During the week, Chris email uh, Chris DM'd me and asked me if I knew an Australian doctor. I guess because they thought with the time difference that it would be easier to get an Australian doctor on because it wouldn't be in the middle of the night. <laughs> and I said, I could be a limited fake doctor. <laughs> and that didn't go down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be a funny way to crash in because there's a little Stugats in everyone of just a way to crash the podcast and crotch, crash freedom as a limited fake doctor. Uh, well, the, but there was, there was that idea and then there was the idea that I have the bat phone number. So what happened if I just called it? And then oh, I, that's I right. Like, you have the magical bat phone number. Yeah. And if that was good enough for Chris Jericho to call, maybe it's good enough for me to call. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's funny. And I also find it funny that you're on DM communications with people just in case they need anything from Australia at some point. You're just, hey, what if we get someone from halfway across the world? Let's just go to Morgan from Australia. She's well, got connections to everything in Australia. Well, here I was like thinking, oh, maybe Chris wants me to be involved. No, he just wanted somebody on my time zone. Damn it. Um, but no, Chris Chris is my friend. Um, he sent a Valentine's Day message to my boyfriend for me. Um, so he's always been very good to me. Um, I think that's one of the best things about what we've created amongst our little group of people is we've built relationships with these people, which is really cool. Yeah. And the Lauer After Hours thing was just kind of birthed out of that, which was there was a weird period in the show where like, because when the pandemic happened, calls kind of disappeared. And it was sad when a lot of the personalities that came in from the local hour just disappeared for a while. So that's why I thought it was so cool when Lauer After Hours became a thing. And now you guys have this gigantic podcast that is a podcast about a podcast and you guys are getting deal with Blue Wire. Yeah, um, we we. I think we should have held out for Meadowlark now, but um, I don't know if they're coming knocking for us. Yeah, that the math definitely changes on that. But that was the thing that they couldn't do at ESPN is like you guys technically couldn't be affiliated with them, right? Just because. Yeah, we're not on air talent and stuff. So Exactly. So it was like unofficially, uh, like unofficially part of affiliated with it, just like um, the Reddit thing too. Yeah, like we're we're distant cousins <laughs> but we're, we're like the ugly stepchild ones now you're now you're the ugly stepchild because now they can at least acknowledge that you exist <laughs> yeah so, but not on the 24 hour thing because they were not answering our calls then <laughs> yeah everything was scripted this wasn't just run around and do everything it's just everything was on 15 minute blocks i remember there was one point where it was like bang right after one after the other. It was like Pat Riley to Michelle Beadle to Shane Battier to Charles Barkley. And it was all within like an hour. I was like, this is ridiculously yeah. well-timed out and planned and just make sure everyone gets there like half a minute or, you know, eight minutes on the show. I think it was like six hours in and I was kind of, I was like exhausted. I was like, it, they would just kept hitting me in the face with more and more. And I was like, slow it down like we've got a long way to go and that then, happened to me around stupidity where i was like oh, no. oh okay i now i have to now i have to confess i didn't listen to all of that because it was trash <laughs> the first part was the first part i stuck with it and then i got to adnan talking about hockey and i was like okay but i i have to say i made it through about 45 minutes of i was stupidity. awake but i wasn't listening to that crap <laughs> Yeah, but that's the weird thing. The worse the content, the better it is. That's that's the weird part of it. But to your point, yeah, that's when I got hit like a wet fish. Like I was just, wow, I've been staring at my computer for six hours like a football Sunday again. And now I came back. I was like, oh, I'm ready for six more hours after that. So it was really good. Um, uh, what was your any highlights? Uh, what would be my favorite? Battier was funny. Shane Battier was really good. Um, I died laughing at the Rashid Wallace and the horn honking. <laughs> that was that was truly excellent content. <laughs> uh, Charles Barkley was my favorite just guest period. Oh. That was just very enjoyable to have Charles Barkley just be Charles Barkley. When he said he wasn't going to name the guy that owed him money and then named him. 
Yeah, no, that was excellent. <laughs> the, <laughs> just right at the beginning, he's like, wait, are y'all getting drunk without me? <laughs> that was excellent. <laughs> oh, quality. Chris Whittingham <laughs> clapping, <laughs> singing and clapping and just being fantastic. Uh, he, oh. Chris Whittingham deserved a bit of credit for his efforts. He yeah. tried he tried to lift the energy up at about maybe it was 5 a, yeah it would have been 5 a.m. after the Greg Cody hour um and the energy in the room was low and he was, that was, the, the, was that the mystery crate hour yeah was that and, and he talked a lot because there was just no energy left in that room they needed cafecito and they needed it bad <laughs> oh that's gonna be one where once it comes out again i'm just gonna take a six hour block and just finish off the whole thing just get to everything that was going on then and they were like yelling at him saying like that he was talking too much i'm like but he's the only person who's alive yeah i'm like what what else is going on right now like it was so weird to see it dark all of a sudden like you kind of forget that it's natural lighting a lot of time and everything just got dark in the middle of the night. And it was such a like eerie feeling of the studio. Yeah. But the, what they, what they, the programming and the things they had on through the middle of the night, it suited it well. Uh, that <laughs> you reminded, you reminded me just now of that. So it was, it was right after the pepper. So it was right as they were finishing off like basketball. Maybe it was before the pepper. I think it was when Habistro and Amin were doing the back and forth thing. Hmm. Um, when that was going on, actually. So that, that would have had to have been before the pepper. But when they were doing that back and forth, and it was like right as dusk was setting in. I was like, oh, my goodness. I've never seen this before. This is a, this is a mind trip right now going on at the, at the studio because – They've never been there that late, except for the one time, the the national championship mega cast when they had like Alabama and Georgia. That's the only time I could remember something like that. Yeah, it was it was crazy to see, and I like the stages of a mean throughout the day from tipsy to way too drunk to be on radio, <laughs> and, and then to not feeling great and breakfast flan. Oh, great. It was very funny. <laughs> yeah, that was actually an underrated moment with just him scre- and Dan was getting so pissed and I saw he was just, so angry. Just him screaming, "It's got a dick!" <laughs> was just like, underrated. Get out of here! It <laughs> like, was two times throughout the show, throughout the twenty four hours where Dan was legitimately mad. And it wasn't a mean and Stugots. He was furious. <laughs> that one you could tell like it was like oh the mood's changing right now on that one because Amin is fucking things up right now yeah it's almost almost as angry as Mina looked when Jessica decided she was going to interject and be a winch to anybody's realm she was not (laughs) I will never forget I have a gift I have forgotten how great Roy's, Roy's realm is. That's one of the just, that used to be my favorite segment ever when I was like, I guess it would be like 18 when they first started introducing it a few years ago. That used to just be my favorite segment of all time and they haven't done it in so long and boy, I missed it. I missed Roy's realm so much. Yeah. Um, for, any, like, for any wrestling fans, like the pop that I made when, Mina, when I heard Mina's voice, I was screaming. I was oh so excited. I just, I'm so excited. I was like this. As soon as I heard Roy's Realm, I was kind of like, oh, but it won't be the same without Mina. And then I heard her and I was just, oh, ecstatic. I did a literal fist pump. I did a fist pump in my room as that happened when I saw Mina pop up. Because she popped up on the Zoom a minute before and Mike Ryan's like pointing to her to go. And I saw her face on the Zoom camera there. And I was like, oh. <gasps> Oh my gosh, <laughs> plot twist of all plot twists. Because I'd also, I'd been keeping track of famous people showing up in the chat. And so I had seen Mina in there earlier. I'm like, all right, we got Izzy, we got Mina, we got Pablo. Like, and then she yes. showed up again. I was like, yes. I saw that somebody mentioned that because they said Mina, Izzy, um, Pablo, Lorenzo, and me. And I was like, I don't belong with them. <laughs> Like, I think that was probably me, to be honest. That was I, I was like, me. I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh god, like <laughs> I am not worthy. And yeah, I was I, sad I missed him. Oh, I saw Zoe. Zoe was there all night. 
That's funny because he's a super fan too. That's one of the cool parts about that is that he's a super fan who he gets the show, but he's also just annoying at the same time. Because like he likes to talk about absolute crap, like the middle of the night conversations on Cinephobe were right up Zoe's alley. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That I need to go back and find that one. I need to go back and find, was anyone else on like early in the morning? Cause I got Pat Sajak in right before that was, that was comedy too. That was another highlight of the evening was, like 11 o'clock, I'm starting to get drowsy and Pat Sajak coming on for his dinner. That was that was excellent, too. That was good. I, I did love – I loved Pat Riley, which I was surprised at because I am a Celtics fan. Um, but I really liked Pat Riley. <laughs> it was very funny. So as a Celtics fan, are you like anti-Nets now and anti-Kyrie? No. no. <laughs> yeah, I can't be more anti-Ben Simmons than I am. So, <laughs> I, I, today was like – a drug to me when they lost. I was thrilled. You were oh, thrilled to I see was. them drop it to the Hawks. <laughs> oh, so beautiful. Like at, I think at halftime when they were down by twenty points, I I sent out a tweet that like like a potato with like bits hanging out of it. I was like, this is beating the seventy sixes by twenty points at the moment. It's what it looked like trade hair. <laughs> um, and I thought this is going to backfire on me when <laughs> it got down to like last minute <laughs> no, well that was the same thing i was doing is i was like it was 25 points and i just kept like looking okay 17 okay 18 and then i came back i was like three point game i was like ah jesus how did that happen it's like atlanta and... don't do this to me please don't do this to me <laughs> usually Why usually I root, viral <laughs> i usually root for an atlanta loss because i ate well, in other sports I do because I'm a saints fan in the nfl so i don't want atlanta to ever win in that but I was yeah, I was a Hawks lifer today. <laughs> you were a Hawks lifer to the end. Yep. That is that is technically understandable. Like people don't talk about how the Saints Falcons rivalry is actually like a legitimately hating rivalry. We don't have very yeah. many of those anymore. Yeah, I've learned to hate Atlanta. Hate. Yes, and Atlanta no. has never recovered from any of it. Not not as a city, as a team, they've just never recovered from any. And that's where my mind went is I'm like for content purposes, I want the Hawks to lose this, but also I'm the mayor of Warriors South. I am the one who for two years has been telling you Trey Young's going to be special. The Hawks are going to be great. And now it's coming true. But for content purposes, it would have been so much better to have had the Hawks lose that game. No, 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 no. See, it's not, we're playing a long game here. The long game here is the Sixers not being in the playoffs anymore. <laughs> and, and that needs to happen because I don't want them to win anything. This all changes come Tokyo. Ben Simmons puts on the green and gold and plays for the Australian Boomers and I will stop being a hater. But until that point, I'm going to crush him every day. Does he get a choice or is he is he like definitely Team Australia? No, he's Team I, Australia. I don't he's just never, he's, he's Team Australia, but he's just never played for us before. Like he's found ah. every reason to have not played with us. And I don't think – I haven't ruled out that he's not behind COVID because if the, the Olympics could be cancelled if they can't do it, and I'm going to blame him because he will do anything to avoid playing for Australia. You're going to blame Ben Simmons for, yes. for the Olympics being cancelled. That's understandable, to be honest. That, you know, that makes, makes about as much sense as uh, a budding, fueling hatred for Ben Simmons and being an Australian. It's just a, a terrible combination. A budding, fueling <laughs> hatred. For the number one draft pick who's from my city, I hate him. <laughs> and the other Fandom one, will do if, that. you know what, the place where I live has had three number one draft picks, which is more than any other city. Wait, who's the third one? I've got Bogut, I've got Simmons. Kyrie Irving. Oh, that's right. I and forgot. they have three absolute douchebags. <laughs> Think about that. Well, Bogut, I don't know what your hatred towards Bogut is. Oh, he's but, terrible. Uh, <laughs> he's a, don't, follow him, don't follow him on Twitter. Terrible follow. Oh, okay. I, I was about to say, I have no idea what Andrew Bogut did to have any sort of oh, strong opinion he, towards Andrew Bogut. Like, oh, I understand he a lot of Twitter fights. A lot of Twitter fights. Um, a lot with, I don't know if you know, Liz Cambage, Australian basketballer. Yeah. Became a little bit um, famous yeah, last week. Yeah, um, mental mom. <laughs> yeah, and um, her and Andrew uh, differ on their opinions on everything all the time. Ah, interesting. Okay. Uh, they're so, different, different sides of politics, I'd assume, too. 
Really? I would I would not have guessed that for Bogut, but that, I guess that would be a reason to have a strong opinion towards Bogut. I just didn't know anything about the, the political stances of Andrew Bogut. Yeah, well, now you know. Okay, duly noted. Because understandable, Celtics fans, everyone hates Kyrie Irving. Um, oh, yeah. But I, I like the flat earth thing was kind of like, uh, you're an idiot. But people take it personally when you say that you're going to stay there and you leave. Yeah. Like, we didn't do anything wrong to you. Like, like as a place, as a place, you know what? I don't doubt for a second that people there are racist and would say racist things to, to people of color often. And that's an awful thing to happen. And it's not something we should ever, ever excuse. Whether someone stands on your mother, doesn't matter. Like, but those people, I don't think they were angry at him until he left. They were, I think they, they loved, loved him. him. They, cheered, yeah. they cheered for him when he said they were coming back. Yeah, but... yeah we wanted we wanted to hang his jersey in the rafters. Like, yeah. And then Enos Cantor had the epic line that said, <laughs> I, I so wanted... good. It was so perfect. Enos Cantor came in the next year and had 11. He's like, I want to make sure I'm the only one who ever wears it, making fun of Kyrie's Nike commercial. And talking really about it. hanging the raft, hanging the banner I, in the rafters. I love it when like an international player shows like a bit of personality. They're not always known for like being the funniest or that kind of thing. Enos Cantor, when he said that, I was, uh, I loved it. Just brilliant. I, I so wish Enos Cantor could still be good at basketball. He's <laughs> just such a personality. He's a personality, so but he, and also like a person who has strong beliefs and is, is a great story. Um, an awful story, very sad, but yeah. um, very interesting person. <laughs> he is, and this is, again, this is the funny behind it, but when they were in the Western Conference Finals in Portland, they, the, there were concerns that he wouldn't be able to go to Toronto for yeah. the finals because – they felt that like he could be extradited to another country for because he's wanted by the Turkish government. And the internet was just cruel <laughs> when they brought that up. And every comment after that was just, he doesn't have to worry about making the conference or making the NBA finals because Portland is not beating the Warriors and they got swept out. And it was one of just the cruelest doses of irony anyone could get hit with in that moment. And I'm like, this is Levitar. I'm so sad they never brought it up on the show. I'm like, this is perfect content for just the internet destroying the Portland Trailblazers and any hope that they had of having a deep run because Enos Cantor doesn't have to worry about going to Toronto. Doesn't have to worry about doing much now. Yeah. So <laughs> if only he was still good at basketball. That's the only part that makes me yeah. sad. If only Damian Lillard played with another good player. Yeah, because the Enos Cantor could still give you ten points, but every time he steps on the floor, every team's like, "Scrap the, scrap the offense. We're running right at this guy." Everyone work Cantor on the pick and roll. If they do that, if Enos Enos Cantor gives you ten points, that's only seventy between Lillard and Cantor, and there's nobody else to do it because CJ McCollum's too busy stepping out of bounds. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I have very strong opinions on Portland where everything they do now is just too little too late. And they, they should have gone for Anthony Davis and they should have gone for James Harden, but they bailed on potentially doing those trades and yeah. <laughs> fraud. I just had needed I'm to punch me. <laughs> I feel bad though. Like I like CJ McCollum as a person. Like I, lo- I love Dame. Be better. Yeah. I mean, and they're just misusing Robert Covington and, you got Nurkic is just kind of the big, <laughs> big dumb giant in the middle who just is, is is like a Gronk type where he just grabs rebounds and chucks it down the floor. I'm just saying like Nurkic is Nurkic smash. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. He's he's pretty much just their their brawn, but they don't have anyone taller than six eight other than him on the team. <laughs> the rest of them are just like tiny. Nope, it's just him and Enos Cantor, and you can't play <laughs> Enos Cantor. <laughs> Yeah, that, they're not the pillars that you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So whew, this uh, this is always fun. These these the, just making fun of people and inside references, all that stuff is fun. So 
I, I've seen your other tweet now, which says, if watching the Sixers lose doesn't make you aroused, then you're a liar. <laughs> Look, it was, and, I was in, in the heat of the moment. <laughs> and it was a very heated moment for me. Uh, just basking in your glory, but then having to just immediately start panicking because, oh my God, the Sixers are coming back right now. I, I didn't post that I was aroused until it was finished. <laughs> Just because I was not going to let them take that away from me. Yeah, um, but that, I, I posted the fair. potato at halftime. Um, <laughs> and I, I was very worried that Atlanta would Atlanta. <laughs> I'm looking at the potato again. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like I, I, didn't know, I didn't know what to Google. I was like, yeah, when I was in primary school, we used to like put potatoes in, try and like grow things out of them. You can grow stuff out of a potato. It's like a science experiment. I was like, that's what Trey Young looks like. I need to find a picture of a potato with like things growing out of it. <laughs> oh, gosh, oh that, that's one of the my other funniest thing from the sports weekend per se would be the, the video that came up of a seven-year-old kid chanting fuck Trey Young at the garden. <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of my first sporting experience where I yelled out a swear or I yelled out something that was inappropriate for a child it wasn't the F word and everybody turned around and looked at me and I was this tiny little blonde kid and I yelled out something very offensive to someone my mom was like mortified she's like shut up don't say that again (laughs) I think think she was kind of proud as well but embarrassed (laughs) Embarrassed but proud. That's a lot of what sports are. Is yeah. uh, just terrible influencing, and and those stadiums are cesspools of bad of bad influences. On the next terrible generation. parenting. This is like I didn't have a choice. Like I didn't ask for any of this. She made me be a supporter of this team. Like, well, <laughs> you did this to me. Yes, you did this. Now you have to live with the repercussions of a kid that irrationally loves sports. Yeah, irrationally loves sports so much she has a tattoo on her arm of her Australian football team. Oh, it's a <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I haven't laughed that hard in a while. So these are always fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's a good time. Uh, thank you, Morgan from Australia. I appreciate it. And uh, You're <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I bought anything to this. <laughs> I don't know, but isn't that kind of like entertainment value on some of this stuff? I really hope people understand the references that we're making because it's really good no, stuff. Like I apologize. I apologize that I don't know why what I've bought or if I've contributed at all. But if I have, I hope you liked it. If I didn't, I'm sorry. There'll be another one that'll be better. There, there'll be another one or it might be better it might not but this is this is what levitard model is like just 30 minutes of just talking shit and laughing and always find a way to finish on a joke they're menu items exactly <laughs> it's menu items you pick and choose what your favorite is yeah it's like a buffet exactly if not we'll see y'all tomorrow again well we'll, we'll talk julio jones we'll talk yeah, serious I li- julio jones talk. Look, I, I listened to that already go and check out the julio jones podcast where you can listen to atlanta fuck something else up. <laughs> <laughs> oh god they're so good at it thank you thank you <laughs> welcome go hawks Warriors South, let's go. <laughs> go Potato Head. I'm gonna start calling him Potato Head now. I'm just gonna go put Warriors South in my Twitter bio. <laughs> Long time fan. Yeah, yeah, You can be. Uh, what would be next in line? What What did we call Ryan Cortez? Was the uh, the whatever of propaganda for Heat for Heat Island? Uh, <laughs> wow, is he is he now unemployed? Like. <laughs> I have like, no idea. Now that Heat Not Island like sunk, like Miami's going to into the ocean. Like, yes, Ryan Cortez, please. I've had enough <laughs> of Ryan Cortez. He's a parakeet. Oh, that that heat chatter crap. Shut up. <laughs> not, heat culture is not a thing. The only part is that I don't understand. I don't know whether he's doing it for the bit or if he genuinely believes this. Uh, I, have, That's I, I tell myself that it's a bit. And it has to be a bit because otherwise I will hate him. <laughs> it would not if it's if he doesn't. I mean, I'm sure he gets the show, but if it's not intentional, 
then yeah, that would not be someone I would want to watch a basketball game with under any no, circumstance. That, that level of delusion, like you can't reason with it. You can't reason with it at all. Yeah, so you can be a, you can be the treasurer and uh, leader of propaganda for Warriors South. <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I'm, I'm the second in charge for Warriors South, foreign yes. correspondent of Warriors South. Yes, hop hop on the bandwagon and ride this Warriors South coattail until they lose in six games to the 76ers. <laughs> yeah, that's kind. You were giving them six games. And <laughs> drop the next four. They got one. They got what you, one. What are we talking about? Wasn't this the final that was it? Like just one and done? I don't know. I mean, I thought Memphis would get a couple games against Utah and oh, they got God. smacked oh. out the building. <laughs> Oh, didn't they have a really good one game? Yeah, yeah. And you know what, Joel and B, anytime you hear small meniscus tear, it's just concerning. Oh, like, I don't know. Does he, has he had any injuries before? Like, Joel and B? Like, no, Anthony Davis, have you, have you ever seen a human fall over that much? Yeah, Anthony Davis, oh. Anthony Davis has had 29 injuries in five years. Doris Burke called him out for falling over too much. And that woman's nice. She's, she is genuinely nice. And, and she, she was clowning on. Anthony Davis. If that woman's clowning you, you got problems. Anyway, I, um, I, I hope the people in Memphis are doing well singing whoop that trick, <laughs> waving their hands around. I don't know if they noticed they lost. Oh, uh, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about favorite moments. Mike Sure, that that was great too. Making jokes about nobody cares about Heat or Panthers talk. It was excellent. <laughs> some of some of the uh the, the normally off air talent um that Meadowlark have bought in um have really, really bought it. Um Mike Sure was great. The last I think uh, also the last hour deserved a shout out. Um Brockmeyer was good. Uh, I just loved it. Loved it. Yes. And Bill Lawrence being oh, in on the bit was my favorite. <laughs> no, I think that might have been my favorite. And I, I did love the observations as well. <laughs> oh my gosh. That that was great. I'm sweating right now because it's like 95 degrees. I'm laughing. Don't tell me hard. that. Don't tell me that. I'm freezing. I'm so cold. <laughs> I've just uh, said that there's so 95 things that were in, in my. Yeah, it's cold, it's raining. I've just said there was 95 things in my top five things from the 24 hour show. Stu got too strong on me. Yes, there's the little Stu gots in all of us. Everyone's got some Stu gots in them. <laughs> uh. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Morgan. I really appreciate it. That sigh. I've heard that before after a conversation with me. <sighs> You need to lie down now. You need to catch catch my breath, yes, and figure out a way to stop sweating. <laughs> oh, almost forgot. Let's just flo- throw this in here. Lower after hours. Subscribe, rate, review, yeah. download, whatever else you can do with podcasts. Yeah, I, I don't know what you do. Um, yeah, come check us out where any everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. <laughs> um, the, uh, just like the Dan Levitard show, there are menu items. So different shows every week, interviews with um, ESPN and former ESPN talent mostly. Um, this week we were lucky, spoiler alert, we were lucky to have uh, Christine Golick um, who brought her plus one, which was nice of her to bring him. Um, so we'll we'll be having a chat with them shortly. Oh, that'll be released shortly at least. Uh, that was really cool. Right. And tonight we will have a oh, new member of the pirate ship and on the show. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I need to a... listen to today's episode to figure out what the deal is with Anthony. Yeah, so I will have to do that as well because hadn't. there was a long delay in releasing today, which um, nobody on Twitter complained about at all. Um, so, so I'm guessing Dan got a lot of angry emails, which I don't um, know how people keep finding his email. but <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there were a lot of angry tweets and, and all, even though they kept all saying, yes, there will be a show, yes, there will be a show. Um, didn't happen on the time frame that they wanted. So um, we'll catch up on the show and then have a chat to Ant tonight and see how his last year has been. All right. That sounds good. Now I've recovered quite a bit. So thank oh, you that, again. Oh, when you mentioned uh, seeing Mina in the Zoom, I may or may not have one time seen Ant in the Zoom. 
what? <laughs> Wait, um, what Mike, are you talking about? Uh, previous to the 24-hour show, Mike had posted on Instagram like a, like a video and the Zoom was in the back. Their, their little Zoom was in the background and that was there. Oh, okay. And that was uh, may or I can't say what date it was, may or may not have been when he was not employed by Benelock. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. They they had a secret agreement where they couldn't say that he was working there, but he was he was working for Bomani. What do you mean? Yeah, he was working yeah. for Bomani for uh, but a Mike, half second. Yeah, Mike deleted that video quickly. <laughs> oh, that's great! I didn't even know that 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 was a thing that existed. But I I need to catch up and see what happened. So I'm that's actually one I want to tune into because. Greg Cody did a terrible thing. Greg Cody, he he teased having Ant on the podcast. And I was like, oh, I want to know the scoop of what happened. And I literally went to the Greg Cody show and they did not mention one time anything about what happened to him. And it was just, they talk about the, the typical peeing in the pool or whatever. Well, I'm just like, you dirty Greg Cody. It, Something tells it, me that they might have recorded that and cut it out for some purposes that they were not allowed to. Because Greg has nothing to do with the editing, he didn't know that. Yeah, that is understandable. So damn Chris Cody for tease it, but they teased it like Anthony has this big revealing podcast. I was like, you didn't <laughs> reveal anything. You just stole a listen from me. Oh well, you got one back on by not listening at four AM on Saturday. <laughs> yes. And, it's uh, one yes. I will say I will say that that's vengeance. Sure, yeah. I will say me getting to sleep at four in the morning, which is actually no one in the morning on the West Coast. So me sleeping at one in the morning is revenge enough. <laughs> yeah. Um. Look, the the doctor was not that ent- entertaining. And the psychic was a fraud, and the doctor may have been a fraud as well. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'll I'll listen to it again, maybe. <laughs> uh goodness thank you thank you morgan again for the second or third time thank you See, we just can't land this plane right now like just... nope uh, we're just waiting for a I joke so i can just scream warrior south and that can be it just do it warrior south we're in great warriors Woo. thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.